Bad boy good. Bad boy good. Payton came out and flat out said Kamara's not playing more than 65% of the snap. That's essentially the Ingram role for Latavius Murray. So I don't really care if he's good. The Saints are going to score a lot of points that have an elite offensive line. Now it's time for the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast, the official podcast of the Super Friends League. Bad boy good. boy good. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the two-on-one, a fantasy football podcast. I'm your commish, Tommy Moe, bringing you our fifth and final installment of our mini-pod series talking about positional rankings and draft strategies to get you primed for the upcoming fantasy football season. Now, today we're going to talk about running back rankings and DFS strategy with Elliot Christ from the Quant Edge. What's up, Elliot? Welcome to the two-on-one. I appreciate you having me. Thanks for, I'm excited to be here. You know, football's back in the air and you know, I love talking about it. So I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I feel like everyone was like so excited for preseason just because like football is finally kind of back, you know, and we've been doing these, uh, these podcasts uh, to get people ready for, for draft season uh, coming up for redraft. And, and even though we're going to talk about redraft rankings a little bit, you know, we definitely want to focus on DFS, especially as more and more people keep playing that every year. And so to go with DFS, I mean, is that really what the Quant Edge is all about? Is about DFS all the time? Uh, not all the time. We have we DFS is obviously a main focus of ours. We have optimizers, um, and we have all kinds of tools and content to help you win money in DFS, along with their premium membership chat. But you know, all of our tools apply to fantasy football in general. You know, head-to-head comparisons for weekly start sit, heat maps, wide receiver, cornerback matchups, injury tool, weekly rankings weekly matchup assessments. We, we try to cover every aspect that you can need for fantasy football. We also have a ton of betting stuff on our website. Last year, we hit 67% of our best bets and 60% nice. of our bets overall. So nice. uh, we have we cover betting. Well, we have our premium membership chat too. We have uh, dedicated sections for DFS. We also have dedicated sections for season long where people come in, they ask about trade advice. You know, we, we're, you know, you ask a question within five minutes, you got someone answering it. You know, we, we try to make sure we're, we're accessible at all times. And Basically, whatever fantasy football need you have or basketball or baseball or college football, whatever it is, you know, we try to make sure we're there to to make sure that, you know, you get the advice you need. Yeah. And I think that's cool that you guys cover everything, too. And and, you know, although we're a fantasy football focused podcast and I think, you know, football's the biggest fantasy industry, um, especially when it comes to DFS, you know, people are a ton of people, especially myself, uh, are playing NBA DFS and starting to get into the other uh, fantasy sports and so, you know, I didn't get too much into baseball and stuff like that, but uh, but I like that your site covers all of that. Yep. And if you get a monthly subscription, you know, you can use promo code Power Hour, get your $10 off your first month. You'll have NFL preseason DFS covered. And you'll also have baseball. And anytime you have a monthly subscription to the site, you get site-wide access to all the sports. So, you know, we try to make it pretty reasonable for people to get started. And we also offer free trials on any package so you can get a sense of, of what you're going to get before you pay for it. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's well worth it. And then uh, so so preseason DFS, I mean, that's I don't know. That's one thing. What's one uh, area I haven't really played yet. And and I can't imagine uh, trying to score that many points or try to, you know, you're predicting like second and third string guys now at that point. Right. Yeah, no, it's it takes a lot of research and a lot of work. And that's why uh, people are more than happy to pay for it so they can save the 40 hours of their lives and just yeah. kind of get some basic stuff. But, you know, uh, Derek Brown and I are we actually went through and 
through the the box scores and different charting information we have that to to set up target share for each quarterback and their wide receivers. So Dwayne Haskins target share and who's he targeting Trace McSorley, Lamar Jackson. We broke it down by all that stuff. We broke it down by who's on the field, what statistics they have. So we're really trying to give you next level preseason stuff that no one else is providing. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you know, and that's the thing about DFS too. I think, you know, a lot of people definitely try to take a crack at it, you know, throw 10 bucks in there, you know, DraftKings and FanDuel and, and try to, you know, play around with it a little bit. But, I, you know, when I get in your guys' level, you know, we're really diving into the uh, the stats and the data and providing top quality content to, to your subscribers or anyone that just interacts with you guys on Twitter. Um, it, it's it's money, you know, it's well worth it. And, and again, why I wanted to bring you on the show to, you know, if we're going to talk about DFS, you just seem like the perfect guest to bring on. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, that's our goal is we're trying to not just give you the guys to play, but help you improve your process, learn how to attack different games, you know, whether it's cash games, GPPs, you know, game selection, game theory. We're trying to improve you as a player so that you can help win money long term, not just, you know, chase one week because we told you to play Curtis Samuel this week and then Mm -hmm. you won money. Mm hmm. So, so when it comes to DFS, um, and you know, before we dive into our, our rankings and going over players, um, you know, we're going to talk about redraft rankings and PPR format. Uh, when you're looking at DFS, I mean, because it's such a weekly game, do your rankings differ that much at least going into the season? And, and obviously, they're going to be fluid during the every single week, right? But is, are they drastically different in any way? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple major differences. One is that everything is salary dependent. Right. So you can have a raw points, but you can also have a point per dollar, which is more valuable in DFS uh, as opposed to season long. You literally just care about who scores the most points. And the other aspect of things is you really want to understand ownership. So if Gurley is going to be 40 percent owned that week and McCaffrey is going to be 10 percent, that means Gurley needs to be four times more likely to outscore McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. So you want to, uh, you know, you want to be able to adjust to ownership in order to take down GPPs to kind of get ahead of the field, play a little game theory correlation. There, there's a lot of things that go into DFS weekly rankings, uh, where you know I think season long rankings are much more for who's going to score the most points that week. You're right, right. Well, cool. Well, then with that, you know, let's let's dive right into to the rankings. Um, I have uh, like a lot of people, and pretty much I would. S- guess at least somewhat of a consensus at this point uh saquon barkley as my number one overall running back who do you have yeah barkley's my number one guy um i know there's some concern about the offense he plays in but we're talking about a guy that could legitimately see double digit targets every game yeah he's an elite receiver he's got the second most runs in the nfl above 49 yards and he's only been in the league for a year that's absurd to say out loud (laughs) um he, he's just a game-breaking guy, an elite receiver, and he's going to have the volume and, and home run plays that are going to really keep him at a very high weekly floor and, you know, 40-point ceiling. Yeah, and I think with his his, uh, his talent, uh, his style of play, his skill set, I mean, I, I don't want to, you know, put it out there or jinx it and say that, you know, he's, he's, he's offensive-proof, you know, and doesn't matter, like, how bad the offense is or how bad the O-line is he's going to eat, but it's almost that. It's almost at that level. You know, he... He plays at such a high level and produces every single week. And like you said, he's only been in the year, the league one year, you know, and he's already putting up those kind of numbers. It's just phenomenal. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the only hole in his game is that he tries to hit the home run, but, you know, and people don't like that. But when you hit the home run as much as he does, go for it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Well, okay. So number two, I have Christian McCaffrey. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I mean, quite frankly, I think you could enter 
interchange one mm-hmm. and two. I mean, these guys basically scored identical PPR points last year. They're talking about McCaffrey might get a few less snaps, but that's expected. I mean, we're talking about the guy that basically set the snap record at the running back position in terms of snap percentage. The one concern is they're talking about less work at the goal line, but that's not necessarily his forte as is. Yeah. Um, you know, he's always been competing with Cam Newton for goal line carries. He's just such an elite receiver. He's going to be on the field 90% of the time. Um, there, there's really very few holes you can poke in his game. Yeah. And I know coming in, you know, especially his rookie year, the big question mark was can he run between the tackles? You know, is he going to be big enough and strong enough and, and be able to carry the load? And, you know, I think he's proven everyone wrong, you know, anyone that doubted that, you know. And uh, I, I was fortunate enough to watch him play uh, when he was in Stanford in the Rose Bowl against Iowa. And the guy was like the best athlete on the field, you know, one of the best athletes I've actually seen live. And and to see that translate, you know, see that success come in the NFL as well. Just this guy's a real deal. And 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 especially with Dynasty, I mean, you know, these top two guys, Barkley and McCaffrey, are solid picks either way, right? Like you're not going wrong with either of them. Yeah, I mean, it's the same. I, honestly, I think it's if Zeke wasn't uh, holding out, he'd be <laughs> right there with these guys. Yeah, it's a situation where, quite frankly. You know, you can make the argument for any of them. I'm not really sure it matters. It's one of the years for me where if you end up with a top five pick, you're you're very happy because yeah. you basically just take the whichever running backs left and you let other people make your decisions. The only way that any of these guys don't finish as top ten running backs is injury or holdout. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, speaking of holdout, I, I have currently have Zeke Elliott as my number three. I really considered putting him at number four, but again, you know, like we said, the, those top four, the, you know, the big four, as everyone's kind of called him this offseason, um, you, you really can't go wrong right there. But, you know, if he doesn't hold out, you know, and I definitely have an asterisk right there, if he doesn't hold out, I still think he's the number three running back. Yeah, I would agree with that. He would be my, he's my number three if he doesn't hold out. Currently, I've dropped him to number five where I'm taking Kamara and David Johnson over him. Yeah. But, um, because the the August sixth deadline was real, and him he's kind of starting to dig his feet in the ground. Uh, Jerry Jones, they're they're negotiating multiple contracts right now between him and Dak and Amari Cooper. So there's kind of a lot going on in that front office, and that could and they're huge fans of Tony Pollard. So mm-hmm. you know I could see him missing a game or two at this point. So I'd probably bump him down to five. Yeah, and so you know I mentioned the big four, and and the next two people you have are definitely who I have on my list. I mean, can we almost call it a big five at this point? Because I really feel like David Johnson's going to have a good year. So you know I have Kamara at four, but David Johnson's right there at five. Yeah, I I even think you can make an argument for taking Johnson over Kamara. Mm-hmm. I haven't really just because I've done so many best balls. It's really about diversifying your portfolio. Yeah, of players, and I can't really get Kamara at five but I can get David Johnson. So when I get fifth, I tend to take Johnson and fourth. I tend to take Kamara. Um, Kamara is just like all time efficient, like right. all time efficient. You know, when he plays 80% of the snaps, he's the number one running back in fantasy football. Yeah. When he plays 65% of the snaps, you know, he still puts up top five RB numbers, but um, you know, he's got to remain all time efficient or get more snaps. I don't think the more snaps are coming, but I, I still think he's such an elite player and so dangerous in the past game. He's going to, be in for another big year. David Johnson's a guy that, you know, you talk about a night and day situation go, going from McCoy to Kingsbury. Yeah. Like, wow. You know, they tried to pound him between the tackles last year. Didn't Terrible. let him get out, outside. They didn't use him in the slot. They didn't feature him in the pass game. And Kingsbury's going to change all of that. Their offensive line's not very good, but they're going to run four wide. So it's going to be lighter boxes. They're going to play him in the slot. They're going to feature him in the pass game. You know, and that team's going to run 
their goal is 85 to 90 plays a game. You know, mm-hmm. gotta, forgive my French, but they're smoking crack if they think that's going to happen. <laughs> you know, 75 plays per game would have led the league last year. I think that's a reasonable goal for them to lead the league in plays this year. And I think David Johnson's going to be on the field 70, 75%. And, you know, he's going to be a dynamic back again this year. Yeah. Yeah. So I, in my home league and, and I really shouldn't be talking about my home league on this, on this pod, but, but I just found out I have the third pick. So, you know, David Johnson's actually one guy I have tinkered with, you know, and toy and thought about like, you know, if, if Barkley and CMC are gone, like, you know, I might want to consider David Johnson there at that third spot. That's probably who I would go if I was in just one league. Yeah. Yeah. So I've thought about it. I mean, I think it's hard too, and like I said, Big Five. I mean, you can't really go wrong with either of those guys, with any of those guys. I think um, you know, if you have a top five pick, like you were saying earlier, you're, you're going to be happy with with one of those running backs. So, um, yeah, I, I'm right there with you with David Johnson. Um, I think he could have really good, really good production this year, really good bounce back. And like you said, it was just painful to watch him run through the tackles, or at least try, you know, to run up, to run through the tackles last year um, with with little success. So. I'm very excited to see what he's going to do. I think everyone in that Cardinals offense gets a boost with uh, Kingsbury there. Um, so the second, uh, the sixth person on my list is uh, Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, for me, this was Melvin Gordon. I think mm-hmm. there was a tier of six running backs before Gordon's holdout. Uh, there seems to be legit concern, and every day that goes by, we get closer to that kind of, you want him back within two weeks in terms of soft tissue issues and mm-hmm. getting ready and not kind of he'll he might play the first game but he's not really himself so the third or fourth game so we're, we're getting closer and closer to that um i i think this is a clear tier drop off right and i think yeah. the more than important than rankings you want to do tiers so i, I mean i probably have james connor dalvin cook joe mixon nick chubb Le'Veon bell as my next five yep um but I, it's a situation where i think you could legit make an argument for any one of them yeah yeah, and then you know, just uh, to go with these these top tens, like, do anyone, you know, again for for regular redraft, you know, when we're, we're going to be fine, we're we're going to be happy with you know any of those top five running backs. Uh, does the same apply for DFS? You know, are, are these the guys you're really going to want to target? Um, are you going to want to get one of these elite guys on your roster? Um, again, considering salary uh, and ownership of uh, you know everyone else is going to have them, you know, so they might not be the best one to get. Do you want to focus on that first tier, or is it the second tier guys? you know, that you want to try to get in there, especially for a lesser dollar value? Um, it depends on the week. On FanDuel, I always want to get as many workhorse backs as I can get. Those guys are so much more valuable than the top-end wide receivers on mm-hmm. FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings, when I get PPR and bonuses and all that kind of stuff, those top-end wide receivers start to have more value. And maybe going from McCaffrey, who's 8K, to Nick Chubb, who's 6K, you can make an argument for um, but at the end of the day, Barkley McCaffrey, Elliot Kamara, and David Johnson are tier one guys for a reason. Yeah. And they're the kind of guys that have like 20-point floors very often and 40-point ceilings. And if you can get those kind of guys in your DFS lineups and find some hidden gems to surround them with, that's how you can make a lot of money. Right on. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the rest of your list there, Mixon, Chubb, Bell, Connor, Cook – um, you know, and, and I sent you a revised list, you know, and, and Gurley and Gordon were definitely in that second tier. Um, I just find myself, you know, having a real hard time um, putting that much stake in, in, in a pick that early on those guys just because it's, you know, everything's right. Everything with fantasy is managing risk. Right. So so with them, you know, there, there comes that inherent risk with them. And, you know, if they're still around and in, in the mid second round, then I, I'm more you know comfortable getting them there than 
you know, where they were going at first, where it was the end of the first, early second. Yeah, I won't take I won't take Le'Veon Bell in the first round. I think there's he's being drafted much more off name value than he is uh, his situation. I still think he's an elite player. He's not touching the ball 30 times per game anymore. He's not running behind Pittsburgh's offense. Mm-hmm. He's not going to see 10 targets a game. Uh, the Jets last year, Adam Gase was the slowest paced coach in the NFL. This team, I don't think, is going to win 10, 11 games. He's going to have so much positive game script. I just think that Le'Veon Bell is being drafted on name value and not him. And quite frankly, there are guys a little bit lower than him, Carry on Johnson, uh, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, that I don't hate if you actually make an argument for taking them over him. You know, how how far how far are we are you fading Gurley this year, at least going into the season? Because, you know, we're not going to hear much about Gurley um, and we haven't, you know, so it's kind of taken on faith that that his knees are fine or, you know, you if you're willing to take that risk. So I have him at 11. Do you have him lower or are you higher on him? I'll take him late second because I think regardless, he'll still get a lot of touchdowns. Uh, but if he drops the 60 percent of the snaps, that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, uh, his touchdown equity in that offense, though, still should be phenomenal, um, assuming that his knee's healthy. But I, it's tough for me, to be completely honest, to shake what happened to him in the playoffs. And arthritis is the kind of thing that sticks around, and it might feel better one week, but then you start using it, and then it really starts acting up again. Mm-hmm. And they really want to manage his workload. D'Angelo um, Henderson is or is going to be – sorry, Terrell Henderson. D'Angelo Henderson is a different, terrible player. Yeah. <laughs> is going to be very involved in the pass game. They said they like Brown a lot. So I think Gurley's looking more at 60% of snaps than 80% of snaps. Yeah. And I understand people try to like prorate his stats if he just got, you know, 20% less of the snaps. But I think he also is performing at an all-time efficiency level. So I think that'll drop some too. And you're getting more of a touchdown upside guy that's not going to have as high a volume. So I, I think that late second, early third is kind of the more appropriate place to take him. Yeah. And then for DFS, you know, because there are probably going to be those games where he really balls out and and puts up a lot of points. Um, You know, is he someone that especially with the news, you know, his salary has dropped a little bit and he's he's definitely worth a worth a play, uh, especially, you know, uh, stacked with with maybe one of the top five. Yeah, I think he's it's a situation for him where I might wait a week or two because I know a lot of people right now are down on him. But once the public gets in, people are going to be right back to Gurley because he was the number one guy. So yeah. I think he might be a little overowned, and then people are a little disappointed. His price drops fifteen hundred bucks, and then it's time to to take a shot on Gurley in tournaments. So wait a couple weeks then, huh? Yeah, I, like right that. now he is the fourth price running back on DraftKings ahead of David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Le'Veon Bell, Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, Damian Williams, Leonard Fournette, Dalvin wow. Cook. So, so like he's he's still priced like he's an elite back. Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point, too. You know, I think uh, especially in, in fantasy football, Twitter, you know, that community, uh, anyone that does dynasty. I mean, it's it's year round, you know, people are really plugged in. And um, but, you know, once you get the public, the you know, the general public, that's not really on Twitter. That's not really, you know, obsessing about as much as, as a lot of you know the rest of us are. Um, it tends to tweak things a little bit. And I think that's another big difference with with DFS or like a lot of people's home leagues. Right. Is, you know, that you get a mix of just the casual player that is still you know, going with name recognition and, and what happened in the past and not necessarily looking at exactly what's going on right now. A hundred percent. That's that's a great way to think about it. 
So let's uh, let's keep it going. And I think, uh, you know, I'm guessing we'll probably start to have a little bit more differences here as, as we move on. Uh, number 13 for me is uh, one of my favorite running backs, Aaron Jones. Yeah, I mean, for me right now, I'm taking Damian Williams, Carrion Johnson, uh, Leonard Fournette, and Aaron Jones as my. Uh, and actually, you know what? I'll include Marlon Mack in that list yeah. as like in the next tier. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Damian Williams is the highest upside of any back in the uh, in this area because if he gets 70% of the snaps in that Chiefs offense, he's going to be a top five running back. Um, Aaron Jones would probably be the next highest ceiling for me because whenever he's healthy, he's been awesome for the Packers whenever they give him an opportunity. And they said they want to basically not do running back by committee. They want to give him 70% of the snaps, yeah. feature him in the past game. Uh, I think Carrion Johnson's got the highest floor. And Leonard Fournette's pretty interesting as well because, you know, he's the only back that's really averaged over 20 carries per game. And they sit there. So if, if that maintains, he's just going to have such a high weekly floor. Marlon Mack is really game script dependent. You look last year, his monster games were when the Colts won by 14 or more points. Mm -hmm. But the Colts are set up to be a very good team this year with an elite offensive line. I know Andrew Locke now has a high ankle sprain. So you want to monitor that. But yeah. uh, I think Mack is a guy that, you know, certain weeks may go quiet, but certain weeks is going to perform as a top five running back. So the only one that I have like really different and and I think I just been really low on him um, all offseason is Damian Williams. Um, you know, and, and I, I when I listen to you talk about it, it makes sense, you know, and uh, running backs that are in a really good offense, especially like the Chiefs or, or you know, I think uh, Matthew Barry said it like not all touches are equal. Right. And so um, uh, whoever almost whoever is going to be the Chiefs running back is probably going to get a lot of touches and a lot of opportunities to do a lot. Um I don't know. I, it's maybe more of a gut thing, and, and maybe um, you know I don't have a good excuse or explanation for it. But I'm just lower, a little bit lower on Damian Williams than most people, um, mostly because I just I don't know. I just don't think he's that guy. And and with Carlos Hyde there, even though um, Hyde hasn't really proven himself yet, um, you know I just have this feeling. I just have this feeling that Hyde's going to take the role uh, from him, and uh, and Damian's not going to be as good. But um, like like I said, I mean, that's perfectly that's perfectly possible. I think Damian Williams will get the first crack at it. I mean, he was awesome in those five games. He's always been a good receiving back, and he does have four four speed. Really, what you're doing is you're just drafting the role. You're mm -hmm. you're ignoring the person because if I could guarantee you right now that Damian Williams got seventy percent of the snaps and got the pass catching role, mm -hmm. he would be right. He'd be in tier one with David Johnson and all those guys in the Chiefs offense. It's the name and the uncertainty. Yeah. But that's why I'm willing to take a shot on him because he's a he's a guy at the turn where if you get a if he hits, you know, he's you're gonna win your league. Yeah. And so, you know, when I play DFS and and please correct me if I'm wrong so I can get better at it. Um, you know, a lot of times I'm looking at the matchup, I'm looking at how they're gonna do that week and you know the situation just that week against the opponent. Um but do you know for for the average DFS player for listeners out there, uh, do we really want to also consider you know the situation in the backfield or with the team or the scheme? You know, it's going to give them a little bit more opportunities. You know, and I know we think about that for regular you know redraft or dynasty fantasy football, uh, but for DFS especially, you know, really trying to hone in on what the team's going to do, how the scheme is going to be for that week against that opponent. Yeah, you know, one of the things I really like to do is tell myself a story about the game and then work back from there. 
So, okay, I think this team's going to beat that team. I think they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. All right, so this probably means that this team is going to hand the ball off a lot while the other team's probably going to play some catch-up. I mean, that's a really basic version of it. Yeah. But I think that factoring in all that stuff is incredibly important for DFS. I like that. That's that's a great tip. Free nuggets. Um, so, the I, again, going to the next tier, you know, mine starts out with, with Philip Lindsay and uh, Josh Jacobs, Mark Ingram, and Chris Carson. And Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think I got uh, Josh Jacobs here. I really uh, Derrick Henry is a guy I'm willing to move up. Lindsey, I'm lower on than you. Um, Freeman's probably the top of my tier right here. I, I think I, you could even make an argument for him in the other tier. It's a situation where you know his injuries are the only thing that can hold him back. Right. He's going to be competing with Ito Smith and Brian Hill or Quadre Olison. You know that's going to be the guys that get. 30%. And whenever Freeman's been healthy, you know, he's been an RB1 in this league. He's been the RB overall number one. That team plays, what, 13 of their first 14 games indoors? Yep, it's great. <laughs> uh, they just drafted two rookies in the first round to improve the offensive line. They have as good of a trio of receivers as any team in the NFL with a M- former MVP quarterback. I mean, this offense is going to score a lot of points, and he's going to be on the field. And he's also a fantastic pass catcher. Mm-hmm. So he's a guy, you know, you have to understand there's risk with his health, but his upside is so massive that I'm, I'm much higher in him than you are. And Montgomery's probably another guy that I'm higher on than you as well. I think he'll take the Jordan Howard role. I'm not worried about Mike Davis at all. Yeah. I think, you know, I know they paid him money, but it was before they drafted Montgomery. And Howard was going in this role, was going as a third rounder last year. And now Montgomery's going in the fifth, and I think he's better than Howard. So I'm willing to take some shots on Montgomery. But, you know, I think in general, your tier is pretty right here. Yeah. And, and Devontae Freeman is a tough one for me. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to call it bias, but I've, I've been burned before, you know, and I, and I get all the reasons why Devontae is a great running back. Um, and, and it was 2017, you know, that, that when I was burnt, you know, and I think it was my first overall pick in my home league. And that was at the end of the first round, but it's, yeah, it's his health, you know, and, and I think he's a great running back and I think he runs hard. And I think that's part of the problem, right? Is his running style is a little bit of a detriment to his health because he just goes for it. You know, he's not, doesn't shy away from anyone and he'll hit you and he won't care, but that's causing some injuries. And, and the ones I'm worried about the most are actually the concussions, you know, because of that running style. So that's why I have him dropped a little bit and have a hard time drafting him. But everything about, you know, what you're saying about the 13 home games, you know, our games on turf and, um, and, and how good that offense is. And I really think Matt Ryan is just so is still so underrated, you know, having a great season last year, almost kind of went under the radar a little bit. You know, that's why I have Devontae a little bit lower, but I, I totally get it. You know, and, and I think um, when we look at it at the end of the year, he's probably going to be higher and I'll probably be moving him up a little bit, especially going to that first week. A hundred percent. It depends on health, because if he's if he plays even 14 games, he's he's going to finish higher than RB 24. overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with you, <laughs> even though I have like, him there. I totally agree with you. I, I once we get past like Barkley is kind of the, the major exception. But I'm really looking for workload, touchdown equity, and pass-catching ability in top-end offenses. That's what I'm looking for out of running backs because they're going to be in a lot of good situations. They're going to be on teams that score a lot of points, and those are the easiest teams to score a lot of points on. Yeah, like Barkley is kind of the exception because they're going to give him the ball as much as any running back in the NFL and feature him in the pass game, and he he can make 19 people miss on one play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But Freeman kind of checks all those boxes for me with the, the the big one. 
that makes me nervous is the injuries. But, I mean, I've gotten him at the end of the third, top of the fourth. And at that point, top of the fourth, I mean, that's – you can even take him playing six to ten games. Mm-hmm. And it won't completely kill you. And so, uh, you know, another one in that tier worth mentioning, um, I think that's kind of polarizing, especially going into this year, is Derrick Henry. Um, I have him at 23. I didn't catch where you had him at. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's – I'd probably move him up a little bit ahead of um, Ingram and Carson, but his foot injury is is a concern. Um, you, you just – you know, you don't, you don't like lingering injuries to start mm-hmm. the year. Uh, he's a big back. He really relies on his explosiveness. I actually think he's pretty overrated as a player. But if they're going to give him the ball as much as they say they want to give him the ball, as much as they did down the stretch, you know, he, he's certainly a guy that – be big time but he's he is on a slower paced team and he's not going to catch the football very much so there's definitely concern with him yeah a little bit more of a plotter um and and then that you know his going to dfs again uh is henry you know someone that you would consider playing a lot or is it really just going to be on situation or if you know trying to catch him when uh, at the right time you know when he's really riding the hot hand um I might play him on. I would rarely play him on DraftKings, just because he doesn't have that pass catching ability. Um, he's much more of a weekly streamer. It would have to. Be, it would really depend on the matchup and the situation, or and he would have to prove that he's kind of taken twenty plus carries a game at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, you mentioned David Montgomery. Um, I think one of gosh one of fantasy football twitter's favorite uh, rookie running backs going into this year um i have him just after uh tariq cohen um only because i you know really think tariq's still you know the running back one at least for now uh in in, in that uh, bears backfield but you know the more i watch about david montgomery and, and the opportunity that i think he's going to get um i can really see him overtaking uh cohen uh for the starting role by like at least mid-season and you know cohen doing a little bit more third down back roles um but, you know, like, how, how do you feel about Tariq going into this year? Uh, Tariq Cohen's a guy that I don't I don't mind PPR leagues. But, you know, it, a lot of his work came in that, like, five-week stretch down, down at the end of the season. And they didn't even really use him in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. I think that he's such an electric player. He's kind of like, you know, he's, he's the closest thing we've had to Darren Sproles since Darren Sproles, uh, who's just so far beyond what, so many of his comparisons have been but you know i don't i don't mind cohen i just think the volume isn't going to be tremendous in that offense i mean he was probably gonna get five or six targets a game uh you know seven carries and and you just start having to be very efficient in that role i think they're guys with bigger volume thresholds but he is an incredibly efficient um talented player yeah yeah and i think uh you know uh, I've been seeing Montgomery go in front of Cohen in a lot of drafts uh, that I've been in uh, this offseason. And I think, you know, I just think Mon- Montgomery is just kind of that sexy pick. You know, he's more of that well-rounded back that I think everyone thinks is just going to be the number one there uh, for a very long time. Um, so I'm curious, you know, interested to see what he's going to do this year. And I think he's going to have a big year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of a hot take. A lot of people are down on Cohen, but he certainly has all the ability. Yeah. Yeah, and then another guy I really like uh, moving into the next tier um, that I was really happy to have last year because I got him late was James White. Uh, I think he's still going to have another good year, especially in PPR. Uh, I know Sony Michelle is going to keep getting, uh, you know, the, those early down rolls, um, but his rapport, White's rapport with Tom Brady is just so good in that passing game. And in the PPR league, I just think, you know, White's gold. So um, in, in DFS, you know, is that 
uh, is he a really good play assuming his salary is pretty low to, to fit in there at the flex or another you know another spot yeah white's actually a guy that's pretty pretty easy you kind of when you tell the right story on the patriots you can get james white right uh, like the Chargers in the playoff game last year when they can't cover running backs and he gets 18 targets. Mm-hmm. Uh, one really nice thing about White was last year without Gronk on the field, his red zone carries like forexed. You know, they yeah. basically start spreading you out more and then they'd give it to James White on on easy opportunities. He's the wide receiver too on the team. He has that pass game role locked up. Uh, he's such a great floor guy. You know, last year he scored 260 points in half point PPR. I mean, he was he was an elite player. And fantasy, you know, he's kind of at the right range, I think, where there's definitely, uh, you know, ceiling left at that cost. But he's such a great floor guy that, you know, maybe if you take Freeman in an earlier round or take Fournette, a guy that's got some injury risk, that James White's kind of the RB3 for you that can kind of substitute if he does go down. Yeah. Yeah, I was lucky enough, you know, when James White was having those RB1 weeks last year, um, having him as, you know, my RB3, and that was just great. You know, those are great weeks. And and I think, you know, he's still going to do that sometimes. And, and especially for DFS, you're, you're finding at the right time, you're getting him in the lineup at the right time, and that's just going to be money. Um, you know, but the, another couple of players in this tier that, you know, two that I think are really interesting, that at least that I have. I have uh, Kenyon Drake at 28. And they have them there because I, th- you know, I think the talent is still there, and it's, I'm real curious to see what that team's going to do without Adam Gase, and if they're actually going to use a running back correctly and give him the rock. Um, because I th- still think he's a good talent. It's just it's just really hard to gauge, you know, how how good he's actually going to be. Yeah, right. Right in this range, I have guys like Kenyon Drake. I have Tevin Coleman now that uh, McKinnon mm-hmm. is having real issues, and they might have to put him on IR. Um, I have guys like. Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders. Uh, that's kind of the, the next tier for me. Latavius Murray is actually probably in this tier as well because I think he's going to step into that Mark Ingram role. And those are the couple guys that I like. But I think, you know, there's we're overreacting to the Balage getting first team reps for the first week. Drake yes. still played the majority <laughs> of the snaps with um, the starters in the first preseason game. You know, Drake is still the elite pass catcher on this team. He's now playing for a coach that comes from New England that exploited pass catchers. I think Drake went from people were too high on him to now it's a perfect buy window and yeah. RB twenty eight is a is a great price to get him at. And then, so how do you feel about Lamar Miller now having Duke Johnson there? I think it's uh, Johnson's a bigger detriment than Foreman was. You know, when Foreman got traded, I tweeted stock up for Miller, and I basically was trying to say like all those seventh round shares that people were getting for a boring player his situation got better and it obviously then got worse. Uh, but I still think he's, you know, he's going to be on the field for 60% of the snaps. Duke Johnson can play slot receiver as well. If Kiki cutie is out for a few games, like he's expected to be, uh, it's going to take more of the pass catching role. But again, Miller's going to play 60% of the snaps on an offense. that's going to score a ton of points and he's boring and he's not going to win you anything, but he's not going to lose it for you either. Yeah. And sometimes that's really important. Yeah, and I feel like that's how uh, Jordan Howard was last year, you know. And you know, at the end of the year, he ends up with uh, again over a thousand yards, uh, all purpose. Um, but yeah, it just it's it's almost an unsexy pick, and it almost always has been, you know, with Lamar Miller and Jordan Howard. Like they're gonna, get, yeah, they're gonna get you those points. It's just like you said, they're not really winning you leagues, and and um, you know, but fortunately, they're not you know losing you games either. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and sometimes that's important, right? You got to mix some floor with your ceiling. If yeah. you always just go boom, you're going to have a lot of bust weeks. If if you have a couple guys that are safer and maybe these are like, okay, I'm the favorite here. I just need 10 guys, 10 points not to lose. Lamar Miller might be a better player than some of the guys, like even a Tariq Cohen, because Cohen's got a lot more versatile result possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. But um, Lamar Miller, you know, is probably going to score anywhere between 8 and 12 points. That's just kind of what he does every week. Yeah. But yeah, Lamar is like it's like yeah, that's safe, that's safe pick almost, and um, I think that's still going to be the case even with Duke there. But you know, moving to the the next tier, you know, I just want to kind of hit on these these next thirty to forty range guys, and um, you know, I, I have Miles Sanders there, and I could definitely see him moving up in the rankings. But uh, you know, two guys that uh, I have relatively close, and they're on the same team is Darius Weiss at thirty two and Adrian Pearson at thirty five, and. I have no idea what's going to go on with that backfield, so I'm not really sure about these two guys. But in some rosters I, or some teams, I definitely have them uh, both rostered. Yeah, uh, for me, because Thompson's also in the mix, mm-hmm. so I'm, you know, I think Geis is the most talented guy. I mean, obviously, where Adrian Peterson is at his car- career, because he might be the most talented guy in this list if we're talking about all time. But anyway, um, if three guys are going to play running back on a team that's not going to score a lot of points that Trent Williams has said he's not going to play for that has a bad offensive line with no playmakers on the outside. You know, it's just a situation I tend to avoid in general. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. And then, um, so, you know, speaking of not stellar offenses, that could be a lot better this year with, uh, with Bruce Arians there. Um, I got Ronald Jones for the Tampa Bay bucks at 34 and I'm pretty sure that's our First ranking for a uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. So even with a better offense there, I'm still low on Rojo. Um, where do you have him, or, or what's your thoughts on Ronald Jones this year? Yeah, this is another – I tend to – in situations like this where I have no idea, I just tend to kind of go with the cheaper guy. Yeah. So I end up with more Payton Barber because I can get a two- or three-round discount, and all the reports are he's currently running ahead of Ronald Jones. I ultimately don't think this is the backfield you want that many parts of to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely avoiding them. Um, I'm kind of personally also avoiding uh, San Francisco um, just because, you know, too many guys in there and we have no idea who's going to start. And it seems like the next one keeps getting hurt every single day. Yeah. Um, The San Francisco thing that McKinnon getting hurt and potentially going IR, like not recovering well from his ACL, really opens up a lot of opportunity for both Brita and Coleman. Yeah. you know, there's a couple guys that I have a lot higher than you. Latavius Murray, Daryl Henderson, Tevin Coleman, Austin Eckler. Um, the, the, these guys are guys I'd probably prefer over your Petersons, your Ronald Jones, your Kareem Hunts, and Carlos Hyde's. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think I've seen it too uh, for some from a few other people uh, that I know in the industry. Um, and the Latavius Murray one for me um, is one I find real interesting. I actually was talking about talking about him uh, at lunch today with someone, and you know, I, I I get the role, you know, and I get your reasoning, and I've heard that reasoning, you know, with that Mark Ingram role kind of stepping into that. Um, I, I you know being being a Raider fan, uh, I was actually you know got to see Latavius oh, Murray he's not a lot. Good. He's not good. <laughs> so it's more situation then as opposed oh, to hundred percent situation. Okay. It's like they don't have any other running backs on the team. Like yeah. we're talking about like Dwayne Washington, yeah, the next guy, right? And um, Sean Payton came out and flat out said Kamara's not playing more than sixty five percent of the snaps. 
Yeah. So that's essentially the Ingram role for Latavius Murray. Right. So I don't really care if he's good. The Saints are going to score a lot of points. They have an elite offensive line, and he's going to get touchdowns. So I think he's a really nice RB3 or RB4 because Mark Ingram was going in the fifth round in the same exact role when he was going to be suspended for the first four games last year. So I just think it's a discount on the role. Yeah. Not a Latavius Murray's this great player. <laughs> yeah, right, right. It's a situation. It's thinking about what the role is going to be. And, and yeah, that's a great point with what Sean Payton said. Because, yeah, if, if if he's not going to give it all to Kamara, then, um, you know, he's not going to be Saquon Barkley, right? He's not going to get them all. But but those touches are still going to be really good, uh, both for Kamara and then for Latavius, especially in the right situation. And, and the guy can't run. It's just, you know, <laughs> how, how well can he do it? Um, and, yeah, I like Henderson, too. Um Again, this this kind of 30, 40, you know, range for me is kind of like you were talking about, um, you know, where you're not really sure exactly where to put guys or it's a little unsure, a little nebulous on on what uh, what their role is going to be uh, in the respective offenses uh, for this year. Um, you know, but uh, another guy I have on my list and I'm also looking at, too, that I feel like I should be way lower on now, especially with the reports coming out of camp that he's get, not getting much news, is uh, Damian Harris, who I have at 43. Um, you know, and, and especially when you're talking about Eckler and, and even Naheem Hines, you know, like I feel like those guys should definitely be in front of them. So um, I will be updating my rankings uh, in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I guess who who's another guy that you have late round or late uh, in, in – in these rankings uh, from 40 to 50 that, you know, especially for DFS is definitely going to be a good play in certain weeks. I mean, Austin Eckler could be a monster play if Melvin Gordon misses time. Uh, Justin Jackson's in the same range. I really like Jalen Samuels. I think he'll be very involved in that pass game. Uh, Damian Harris is interesting because he didn't play a single snap in that preseason game. Mm-hmm. So it actually, to me, said that they plan to use him this year. A couple guys that aren't on this list that I'm really high on this year uh, Justice Hill, the rookie for the Ravens. Yeah, he actually started over Chris Carson his freshman year. Last year, every touchdown he had was twenty. Oh, it was from twenty yards or further. So he's he's an explosive athlete. Tony Pollard is going to have a role with or without Zeke on this team. Duke Johnson, I think, is pretty interesting. And Chase Edmonds, the backup running back for the Cardinals, they said he should play about thirty percent of snaps. He'll be on the field at the same time as David Johnson. Play some slot and running back uh, with David Johnson on the field or off the field. So I, I like those guys as a couple of late-round flyers that I think have a lot of high upside. Free nuggets. Yeah, I like that. I need to add those guys to the list right now. Let me Hold on. Let me pause this podcast while I add those guys there. <laughs> uh, and then, you know, I think the last guy we're talking about, uh, at least on my list, uh, uh, we, we have an article coming out that will kind of highlight pass-catching running backs a little bit. Um, and I think is, you know, is a relatively forgotten running back, at least that I see uh, – Rarely getting talked about, but got a little bit of love today on Twitter uh, was Dion Lewis. Um, and especially we talked about earlier with uh, with Derrick Henry uh, and that offense. You know, I think Lewis is still going to get those third down rolls and still get opportunities to put up, put up some PPR points. Yeah, I mean, Dion Lewis was drafted well, um, was running well ahead of Derrick Henry last year. So it's it's not out of the realm of possibility. If he gets injured, Dion Lewis is a monster play. Uh I think the thing that has people spooked on Lewis is that end stretch with Henry Lewis like didn't touch the field. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why people are spooked. They've talked about it, but they paid Lewis a lot of money. He's going to have that third down role. I don't think the Titans will be perform as well as they did down the stretch last year. And I think that uh, Lewis is a is a he's a nice floor guy. 
You yeah. know, and he's got a role. He's it's what I always say about these guys. I'm looking for guys that have a role on their current team. If an injury happens ahead of them, they can have a league winning type upside. And I think Deion Lewis he might not be a league winner, but he would be an RB two that you're getting at an RB five price tag. Free nuggets. Yeah, that's great. So you know, as we wrap up these rankings, you know, I want to definitely kind of touch a little bit more or you know a little bit on dfs strategy i don't want to give away all your guys' secrets you know for all the listeners out there go to the quant edge get your information from there sign up uh you know they'll they'll provide you with what you need but you know can we get a little bit of free nuggets uh for our listeners on 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 really what you're trying to focus when you're trying to build a championship dfs lineup yeah i mean it's it's so dependent on the week but i go through all the games i study each game individually and I'm really looking for the matchups that you can exploit. How Not only just matchups, but it's not just like, how does this team perform against wide receivers? But, okay, so this team is vulnerable in the short middle of the field. This receiver runs all his routes there. Okay, how am I adjusting the injuries? The the cornerback two on the other team is out. Who's his replacement? Can we pick on him? Okay, what's the highest score of the game? I'm actually going to use our NFL picks that hit at 67% for our best bets, right? And I'll say, okay, so this is actually – this, this game might have a 52 total, but we think the game's going to score 59 points. This is going to be an absolute shootout. Mm-hmm. Let me figure out a game that's really popular and how to kind of differentiate myself. So if the Falcons are playing and everyone and their mothers on Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, maybe I play Devontae Freeman this week because the Falcons score 30 po- 35 points, but it ends up all on the ground or a lot on the ground and Ryan throwing one to Austin Hooper. Then the Julio Jones-Matt Ryan stack is going to be a – at high ownership uh but people target the right game but the wrong players so you know there's there's a lot of things that goes into things where yeah there's a reason why we have 25 pieces of content a week to try to break down every aspect of things we also make it a lot simpler for people that want not only want the simple version of it but um those are just a couple things that come to mind i love it yeah and that you know as again more and more people get into dfs um, you know, you, you do need an edge, you know, you can't just really show up and, and yeah, you know, every dog has his day and you might win one, you get lucky on one, but to be consistent and especially to win more than that one time. Cause I know I've been there and won that one time. Um, you, you need these tips, you need, uh, these strategies to help you think about the game, you know, a little bit differently than your standard fantasy football, you know, redraft leagues or dynasty leagues. And I think that's what makes DFS so different, um, is, is the strategy. And I think that's, again, what I like about, you know, we've had different draft strategies on this pod, on these, on this mini series with with IDP and and best ball, and and it gives you a different way to look at the game and you know the game that we've always been playing, but you know having tweaks and and I think DFS and and the guys that really understand it, I mean, you, you know, you, you guys are impressive, you know, because it it is a little bit different way of thinking about it, and it's it's almost getting uh, more into uh, all the players and all the games, and like you said, differentiating yourself from from other people to be able to win, not just doing what everyone else is doing. Yeah. It goes so much deeper than just who's going to score the most points. Yeah. And you you have to start thinking that way. Game theory is incredibly important. You know, thinking outside the box, thinking about, okay, like I said, the Freeman and Julio Jones thing is really popular or, you know, last year against the saints and the uh, Falcons, I went all in. I'm going to tell you about the time I got something wrong. They ended up scoring 10 touchdowns in that game. I went all in on Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, and Alvin Kamara, and my team scored zero touchdowns. Dang. Uh, so, <laughs> but it's just one of those situations where, you know, I, I it's a situation where you can take advantage of people who, you know, I played some of the more popular guys. I, I Most people only had two. I went three. That's how I tried to be different. But if I would have gone with some Calvin Ridley and uh, 
Drew Brees, you know, who was the less popular quarterback that week, you you could have changed some things up. So I think, you know, really trying to think an outside of taking outside the box approach is very important. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. So, you know, as we, as we wrap things up, you know, I want to make sure we have some takeaways for the listeners and, you know, as we've been chatting, we've been kind of writing some stuff down and uh, you know, I think so. So our first takeaway is that, you know, salary and ownership, they play a huge part in DFS. Yeah. So, I mean, ownership basically is, you know, if you think about it, it's, it's very much like poker, right? Like would you take aces pocket aces over pocket Kings every time? Yes. Yeah. But if I gave you, if what if I gave you ten to one on your pocket kings? Yeah, I might take it. You're taking the pocket kings yeah. because the, the math says that's the right way to do it. So you want to be able to adjust. Like if everyone's playing pocket aces and there's eight other hands in there, there's a good chance to, you know one of those other hands is going to win, even if aces starts off as the best hand. So you 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 can take you know higher volatility plays with lower ownership and try to hit those ceilings and really try to have correlated events so that if you do get your your lesser situation to hit you hit on multiple things and you kind of really shoot up the the leaderboard right right so in the second one we'll go to you know with Gurley, wait a couple of weeks let the public get their fill and 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 kind of fade him a little bit and then wait till that salary drops and then uh, throw him in your lineup uh third one make sure to tell yourself a story when you're thinking about what's going to happen in the game, think about all the variables, tell yourself the story and try to get, make the best pick off of that. And then fourth, those late round guys that have a role or, or money pickups, especially because they're going to be a little bit cheaper. So those are the guys that, you know, if you you have a few bucks left that you want to find a guy that has has a good role in the offense like uh, Deion Lewis that could uh, have a nice week. And so, you know, like you said, Elliot, dif- you know, key to DFS, differentiating yourself uh, in a popular game and, and, and I think that's another uh, strategy that makes it like real interesting is you're not just playing against your league mates, but you're playing against hundreds of thousands of people at a time. So DFS is definitely a different beast. And you want that edge, make sure you go to the Quan Edge and check it out and see what Elliot and his team have to offer. So thanks, Elliot, uh, for coming on the show. We appreciate it. And um, do you have any uh, last minute uh, free nuggets for the for our listeners? <laughs> um. I, I don't know if any last minute free nuggets pop into my mind other than the fact that I would I would make sure you go out and make a point to get Tony Pollard late in drafts this year. Free nuggets. Um and I just want to thank you for having me on. This is a lot of fun to talk RB rankings and uh you know, I ho- hope to get invited back sometime. Oh, definitely. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, we're trying to, you know, get to work out with Derek and you know, we're definitely going to try to get him on later. So we'll definitely uh, reach out to you. And yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, yeah, let the listeners know where, uh, where they can find you on Twitter, social media and all that. Absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Christ 101T, no H and Christ. I know my parents made it difficult on you guys. I apologize. <laughs> um, and you can find all my work at thequanage.com right on thanks elliot and uh yeah that's the last of our mini series thanks to all listeners for listening in we're going to take a quick break uh for the next couple weeks and get come get ready for our uh, for the season to start and uh tune in for our next podcast starting early september with uh, poly sleepers so we're excited to have him on talk some sleepers and get you guys ready for the fantasy football season and uh thanks again elliot and we'll see you guys soon Bad boy good.